0: Hello friends. Welcome back to another episode of Women Do Too. Um, I, I'm i not even going to lie. I'm really, really excited about today's episode. I spent a lot of time working on it and I, I was really encouraged by it. And so I'm really excited to share it with you guys. And I'm really hopeful that God just encouraged you guys in the same way that he encouraged me. But before I do, I figured I would, like, add a little fun thing at the beginning of every episode. I just want to share with you guys one good thing that happened this past week. Um, So the weather in Virginia Beach has been, like, really rainy and overcast and just, like, sad winter vibes. Not great. And on Tuesday, we had, like, a random 70-degree sunny day. It was, like, the first time in like a week that the sun had come out and it was so warm and I got to walk on the boardwalk at the beach with a friend and it was, it was honestly glorious. And I just like my soul needed it because I don't thrive uh, in the winter time when it's gray and just gross all the time. And so that sunny, warm day was just the best. The next day it was like 30 degrees, but that one day was amazing. So that is something really great that happened for my week that i had to share um without further ado let's get into this episode so the title of today's episode is the heart of the matter and this title was actually inspired by one of my favorite songs um it's a song that was recorded by don henley if you are familiar at all with the band The eagles he is currently the lead singer Um, but the song, the heart of the matter was a single that he put out in the late eighties. I I'm really into classic rock. I can't really explain it. Uh, I just really love it. Um, but the song talks about a breakup and one of the lines of the chorus goes, I'm learning to live without you now, but I miss you sometimes the more I know, the less I understand all the things I thought I knew I'm learning again. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter. So Here's a quick English lesson that you did not ask for, um, but the phrase heart of the matter is actually an idiom. And an idiom is an expression that presents a figurative non-literal meaning that is attached to a phrase. So an example of a popular idiom that all of us have heard before is it's raining cats and dogs. The heart of the matter is just the fundamental element of an issue at hand. So also you could word that it's the root of a problem. So today we're going to spend some time talking about this within the context of our sin and what lies at the root of it. And ironically, an idiom usually centers on a non-literal meaning, but in this case, the heart of the matter is our hearts. So going off of that, the first thing that we are going to focus on today is the source of our sin and the reality that our hearts are sinful. Um, growing up, I watched a lot of Disney princess movies and they all seem to really push this idea of following your hearts. And I would say that this idea really relies heavily on the foundational belief that human hearts are only filled with goodness and pure intentions and truth. And as great as it sounds and as much as Disney wants us to believe this. Jesus paints a very different and more realistic picture of the condition of our human hearts in Matthew 15. He says this, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony and slander. These are what defile a person. So the reality is our hearts have been completely compromised by sin. And because of this, we can't rely on them to produce thoughts or feelings that are always right or are rooted in what is true. Jeremiah 17, 9 describes our hearts as deceitful. And if I'm being honest, this is something that I seriously struggle to come to terms with. It's a lot easier for me to constantly blame the lies that I hear or the temptation that I feel on Satan instead of accepting the reality that my own heart and inner thoughts are capable of doing things, doing those things as well, um, as a result of the sin that lives within me. And obviously Satan does tempt us and lie to us, but we also do those things too. The story of David and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 11 is a perfect example of this. And shows us how listening to and following our hearts can lead us to do some really awful things. So this story is going to be the focal point of today's episode. And I'm just really quickly going to paraphrase 2 Samuel 11 um, verses 1 through 26. I would highly recommend that um, you guys actually read it. But I'm just going to paraphrase it for the sake of time. So David goes up on the roof of his palace and sees Bathsheba bathing. So she's taking a bath doing her whatever. And David is like, who is that lady? So, he starts asking around about her, finds out who she is and that she's married to this guy named Uriah who is actually one of David's best soldiers who is currently deployed. And so, then David's curiosity, we'll call it that, turns into something that is more sus uh for lack of a better term, and he ends up bringing Bathsheba to the palace and then he actually sleeps with her and Bathsheba gets pregnant, which that, that whole situation is just unfortunate. So, naturally, David tries to cover this up by bringing Uriah home from the battle for a couple of days. And he's really hoping that while he's home, he's going to go home and be with his wife, have sex with her, whatever. But Uriah is literally such a good man and soldier that he's like, no, the other soldiers are off risking their lives. And if they aren't able to enjoy the comforts of home or be with their wives, like, I won't do that either. So now David is caught between a rock and a hard place. And instead of coming clean about what happened, he concocts this whole plan and ends up having Uriah killed in battle. Um, after kind of reading that story and going through it, I had two thoughts that I would just like to share in response. Um, the first is this, we cannot blame other people for sin that occurs as a result of the issues of our own hearts. So there have been times when I've heard this story, and this really gets me going. There have been times when I've heard this story talked about or preached on, and people try to pin the blame on Bathsheba. So for example, she was like trying to get David's attention while she was bathing on the roof. And I just am so not here for this. Bathsheba was just doing her, minding her own business. And unfortunately, she happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, And it says in verse four that David sent messengers to get her. So it it doesn't seem like this was like an invitation. Like he wasn't sending them over to ask if she wanted to come hang. They were going to get her. And so also like if this was an invitation, how are you supposed to say no, I'm good to your king? I feel like that's just something you probably don't do. So yeah, Bathsheba definitely got caught up in something really messed up. And no, she was not completely innocent in the situation as it unfolded. But the ultimate blame in the situation lies on the shoulders of King David. And at the end of the day, it was the issues within his own heart, so lust, deceitfulness, etc., that led to the evil actions that took place in the story. So the second thought that I had in response to um, this story is that following our hearts can lead us down really dark and dangerous paths. So um, in a couple of verses, we see how David's heart led him to not only sleep with a married woman, but also to murder an innocent man. Um, This story also illustrates how sin can creep in really subtly and how if we're not careful, we can begin to justify our own sinful actions and thoughts. Um, In my last episode, I talked a lot about confession and the reasons why we don't do it. And one of the things that I shared about was this mentality that we can sometimes have towards our sin that says, well, this isn't that bad. Um, And before we know it, we've ended up in a situation that is that bad. And I think that this is exactly what David just fell into. Um, Initially, when he first saw Bathsheba, he was just curious about her. And curiosity in and of itself is not sinful, but it has the ability to lead us into sin if we're not careful. And in this story, we see that David's curiosity quickly turned into conniving when he failed to exercise self-control. So kind of just to take this down to a more personal level for a minute, I've experienced this in my own life. Um, I've been pretty open with you guys about my struggle with pornography, but I have not shared as much about my struggle with guys and specifically dating apps. So, Dating apps, they've really been on the rise for the past five years or so. Everyone's on Hinge. Everyone's loving it. Um, yeah, they just, they've been something that I have always been somewhat curious about. Um, and I would say that similarly to pornography, dating apps are easily accessible. All you have to do is download an app onto your phone. And it's really easy to use them in sus ways. I'll use that word again. Um, without anyone knowing what you're doing. So back in college, one of my friends and I decided uh, to make profiles on a dating app as a joke. And for me, it ended up opening a door that I really wish that I could go back and close. Um, And here we say this, dating apps in and of themselves are not evil or bad. I have a couple of Christian friends who are currently in relationships with people that they met on dating apps and they're great. But as someone who struggles with sexual temptation, I have found That without certain boundaries or accountability put into place, I can very easily find myself in situations that are not honoring to God or others or myself when I'm using them. And when I found myself in these not great situations, it would honestly be really easy for me to try and deflect the blame onto the dating app or the guy. But the reality is I was the one who decided to download the app knowing that I struggle with the things that I do. I was the one who didn't seek out or ask for the kind of accountability that I needed I was the one who engaged in and continued conversations that got to a point that they shouldn't have and so on and so forth. So again, this is just another example that points back to what I was just sharing about taking responsibility for our sin and not trying to place the blame on others. Once we take responsibility for our sin, then we're able to move forward to confession, repentance, and eventually restoration. So we just spent a lot of time talking about the source of our sin um and now as i begin to wrap up this episode i want to spend some more time talking about the solution to our sin and heart problems to put it simply the solution is god he alone has the ability to truly transform and change our hearts for a really long time during my struggle with pornography i thought that if i was able to change things about my behavior then i would be able to stop watching porn so For a really long time, um, I tried using different blocking software on my phone, and I had different accountability partners that I was supposed to call or text if I was feeling tempted, and both of those things are really helpful, and if you are struggling with porn, I, I definitely recommend these things. However, in spite of all of these things that I had put in place, I still found myself finding ways to watch porn when I really, really wanted to, and I just remember feeling really defeated afterwards and frustrated with myself. And I honestly felt like there was no way that I could ever beat my addiction. But the reality is though, that instead of actually getting to the root of my sin, I was simply trying to change my behavior. And I've just learned over the years that behavior modification can't and won't solve issues of the heart. So to continue on in the story of David and Bathsheba, in 2 Samuel 12, God sends Nathan, a prophet, to essentially call David out on his ish and let him know what's up. And Psalm 51 is David's response to his conversation with Nathan. In my Bible, it's titled A Prayer for Restoration. And in it, David first acknowledges his sin, saying, I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. In addition to this repentance, David also prays, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and give me a willing spirit. This is one of my favorite passages um, in the Bible, and it's just filled with verbs that are all transformative in nature. So purify me, teach me, save me, create restore um, and i believe that this just points to the reality that god and god alone has the power to transform our hearts so when we find ourselves confronted with our sin face to face with our brokenness the appropriate response would be to do what david did and take complete ownership of our actions and to ask god not only for forgiveness but also that he would restore our hearts because he is the only one that can um, and god is faithful to do so in first peter five ten, it says And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So when we seek God's forgiveness and restoration, he is faithful to give those things to us. But that does not make us exempt to the consequences of our sin. So, for example, going back to the story of David, as a consequence, God took away David and Bathsheba's first son. Um, He became sick and died. But even in that really sad situation, God was faithful to restore and redeem, and Bathsheba later became pregnant again, and she gave birth to Solomon, who became Israel's next king and whose name means Beloved of the Lord. In conclusion, as messed up as the story about King David is, it also provides me with a lot of hope. This story demonstrates the depth of the depravity that resides within our human hearts um, and it reminds me that I can very easily be deceived by my own thoughts and feelings into sin that is not pleasing to or honoring to God if I'm not careful. But in addition to that, it also points me to the truth that God alone has the ability to redeem our hearts to the power of his Holy Spirit. God is able to transform my sin and brokenness into something that is beautiful and ultimately reflects his grace and mercy and draws others closer to him. Friends, I really hope that God has encouraged your hearts with this truth as much as he has encouraged mine. This is a reminder that I need constantly. And so I'm really thankful for it. And I'm also really glad that I was able to share it with you guys as well. I hope you guys have a really great week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye friends.